Well, hello everyone, and welcome to yet another episode of the Black Tower Podcast. Uh, this is going to be a half strength episode as far as the Black Tower is concerned. Uh, but don't worry, it's gonna be a lot of fun. Got a fantastic guest that's gonna be joining here in just a minute. Uh I am your Bajan Mahail Andrew. Uh, you may notice a uh, distinct lack of another bearded gentleman that is normally here with me. Uh, Josh is off doing family man things. So uh, it is just me this go around. Uh, but it won't be just me talking this episode, as I'm sure many people will be like, thank God, because Andrew's nice, but boring. Uh as I look to see who we're plugging today. All right, sweet. <clears throat> so uh, before we get uh, into our guests and letting them say hello, um, if you are looking up information for the Wheel of Time, let's say you're a first-time reader or you're uh, reading through the, the book series again and you don't want to be spoiled, make sure to go over to thegreatblight.com where you can use their spoiler-friendly wiki to uh, look up anything you want from uh, the Wheel of Time. It is still evolving and growing, so if you do see things that are missing or you think they should add, there is a link where you can get feedback at the top. Uh, Greatblight.com also has a nice big list of a bunch of Wheel of Time content creators, whether it's music, trivia, podcast, YouTube, you name it. You can find a bunch of us over there with links directly to our platforms, our channels, whatever have you to check out. So Greatblight.com, check them out. Uh, if you want to be able to listen to Black Tower podcast live as we're recording and also watch us live as we're recording, because we may still edit things later on, depending on what happens, uh, head on over to blacktowerpod.com, where you will find a fancy link to join the Patreon if you want to. And for as little as a dollar a month, you can take and listen to us make fools of ourselves live. And you get to hear all the stuff that we might have to edit out because people misspeak. So, but without further ado, and so that I don't have to do all the talking, I'm going to bring in fantastic guest that we have today and change the view so you can actually see. Hi, say hi. Hello. <laughs> it's like a, <laughs> it's like a, um, a, a dark version of the roof mistress. <laughs> yeah, it's a little different look than what I normally go with. So, <laughs> but when you uh, asked me to come on this episode, I was very excited and I mean, it was like, I will be doing cosplay <laughs> and didn't get told no. So, <laughs> Here um, I am. so, um, before we get into any more of it, uh, obviously, um, we met you as roof mistress, we be in black tower podcast. Um, you go by many names, roof mistress. Wise one, Leia, roof dungeon mistress, which is extra <laughs> fitting for this episode. Mm -hmm. um, why don't you tell everybody kind of some of the stuff that you do and get involved with and where they can find it and all that kind of fun stuff? Yeah, uh, you can mostly find me on Threefold Talk on Thursday nights, uh, 9 p.m. Eastern time on the Malkier Talks channel. It's a IEL-centric uh, variety show. We talk about the weekly news uh, with respect to what's going on in the Wheel of Time community and also the show. We uh, have guests. We play games. Just hang out. I am Roof Mistress on, I refuse to call it X, it's Twitter still, um, as well as Instagram. 
So you can find me there. Uh, yeah. And I've got a couple of projects that are coming up, but we haven't um, talked, like, we haven't disclosed them yet. We haven't published them. So mm. keep your eye out for those on all the socials. Uh, they will be announced. And y'all are filling a time slot for Wada Holiday coming mm -hmm. up here soon as well, right? Yep, 10 a.m. Uh, it'll be threefold brunch. We've got some fun games to play. Uh, I will. I refuse to puke this year on screen, like I did last year. <laughs> so it's self-induced, but a little miserable. <laughs> yeah. So, because this episode will go out live publicly on Friday, December first, or that's what it's currently scheduled for. So if you're listening to this when it releases, uh, make sure you head on over to the Malcare Talks YouTube channel tomorrow at uh, no later than I would recommend 7, 7.30 Eastern um, and check that out. We have a 24-hour live stream um, for charity raising money for the Lightweaver Foundation and for Bravo. SAG after. Yeah, the, the SAG after strike, but it's uh, the, the Community Entertainment Fund. Mm -hmm. or something like that i'm so bad with room mine there's too many acronyms in, in my life so um but basically doing that because even though they have reached a deal um and now the uh talent and the writers and all are getting paid amicably getting what they deserve uh that doesn't mean that there's not still uh cost incurred and people that still could uh could definitely use some help uh because there's a ton of people that also suffered by there not being any actual shooting mm -hmm. on shooting in terms of making movies not the other stuff yeah um, it's gonna take a while for productions to start now that it's gonna take a while for the negotiations to formally kick in and contracts to be written so uh yeah this is even though the strike technically is over there's all the the follow-on fallout uh, so we'll be doing that i know we have a slot on sunday uh bringing like bringing out the end of it which uh definitely as we plan works out well because one of the things that will be uh given away uh to the people the, uh, you know selected from those that donate and and uh do all that kind of stuff is uh the nice big wheel of time map you can if you're looking at the video you can kind of see half of it on my screen because i've got it hanging out back there it's a really long map like the 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 frame the rob christensen one yeah, it's the Rob Christensen one. It is okay. fantastic. It's printed on canvas. Um, this one has a ton of signatures from WatCon attendees from the 2023 uh, WatCon year, it's super um, cool. including including uh, Kate Redding. Uh, it's got Maria Simmons on it. It's got Matt Hatch. Michael it's got Kramer, Michael me Livingston. and Josh. Yeah. So it's got me. a ton of those. Iris Bear, yeah, Roof Mistress, Malkir Talks, a ton of people signed it. Um, and Every time I look at it, I feel like I see a new signature that I forgot because, you know, it's been sitting on like my table since since WatCon, which has been nice. Um, <laughs> we'll nice. be sending it out to you. It's a uh, that must be hard for you to give up. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is it is in, in a way, but, you know, it's going to a good cause. So, yeah, um, it's a uh, I think what 12 inch by 48 inch. It's uh, not small, roughly. yeah. More than it's more than twelve, maybe like twenty-four. Yeah, it, it took up a decent size of the table. Like yeah. my hands are off screen. Is how big it is. Oh, yeah. like, you yeah. can only imagine. So there'll be that. Um, we'll be repeating the pattern or the kind of traditional from the last couple of years of doing eight frosted mugs of your choice from New Creations by Jen. 
And I know there's going to be a bunch of other stuff because normally a bunch of people, they kind of like auction off uh, different things okay, they have the to give away. Calendar. Yep, there's the, the, the snack water calendar. Which you can um, already purchase um, ahead of time. Yeah. So for those of you who are watching live um, and any, you know, as soon as you see this, go to Malkier Talks website. Uh, I can shoot you the link, Andrew, if you want to put it in the description. Uh, yeah, absolutely. But uh, and if so you want to put it in the live the live chat uh, oh, as well, by all means, go. Yes. Like <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I forget about it too until I look over and see that I have like part of my screen that is the the live YouTube chat. So, um, but yeah, go do all that, uh, and definitely come out for the Water Holiday Stream. Pay attention on uh, Twitter or whatever you want to call it, all the other social medias. Um, and all that will be tweeted out. And uh, I'm sure at least one of your favorite shows will be there. And I only know that because Black Tower is going to be there. So if you're listening to this, I would assume that we're probably one of your favorites. Or you're just a glutton for punishment, I guess. Which is fitting for this episode. Being a glutton for punishment. Um, but before we get too far into the weeds on that, is there anything else that you wanted to bring up? I don't want to just blow past uh not off the top of my head sweet well then we're gonna go ahead and get everybody protected with this spoiler warning as, so as soon as my blurry eyes let me read there it is uh so that everybody's protected from spoilers because uh surprise we're a spoiler centric podcast welcome to the black tower a wheel of time podcast all right let's check here okay this podcast episode will be spoiling books one through i mean let's be honest here Whatever Josh lets slip. So how about you pull that spoiler condom all the way on? Anyway, quit your whining. The last book came out in 2012. He was actually a ghost, and Rosebud was the name of his sled for creator's sake. Yeah, one more shot he said. That's funny. So good. I, I love that like they were talking about Josh. And... Oh, yeah. Whatever Josh lets slip, which... You know, if you say, if you go with like silent speaks volumes, it could be he says everything or he says nothing. So, True. However you want to go about that. But uh, maybe the best way to bring up the topic of this is to let you talk a little bit about the persona you are embodying at the moment, which looks fantastic. If you're, if you're only listening to the audio, do yourself a favor, head over to our YouTube channel and pull up this episode at least long enough to see. Uh, the fantastic cosplay that Leia's got going. I will on. send. Um, I took a couple of selfies before this, so um, I'll make sure to send those over to the boys so they can post on the socials. So if you're listening okay. only via audio, hopefully you can check it out on their socials. Um, but I am dressed in all black for a reason. Uh, we are talking about my favorite forsaken and i will officially say right here i do love landfair but matt hatch is wrong landfair is not the best forsaken samurag is so bold statements coming out already i will spank anybody who disagrees with me but um yeah samurag is um she isn't frequently mentioned in the books uh especially from a first person perspective. Um, she's very behind the scenes, but she is probably 
the most effective of the Forsaken. Uh, she is able to create a assassinate the entire Sean Chan royal family and cause an entire civil war and all the upheaval. Uh, she is successful at infiltrating uh, the Sean Chan ranks and has given a lot of amazing orders that have ripple effects throughout the entirety of Randland, just based off of um, her participation with uh, the Forsaken. She is the one that tortures, oh my God, I already forgot her name, that uh, Halima essentially uses to infiltrate the rebels of the White Tower. And um, yeah, just like a lot of very strategic calculated moves that uh, are just mm, chef's kiss. And again, sows probably the most amount of chaos of all the Forsaken. It is super effective, is good at what she does. And also, uh, Grendel actually mentions that uh, before she turned to the shadow, that Semarag was already corrupt. Um, so she was already, yeah. she didn't go to the shadow because she was like out of petty grievances. Like she was just like, fuck you bitches. I'm going to do what I want to do. And if the shadow lets me, that's where I'm going to do it. Oh yeah. So. And we'll, we'll get into that. Um, but so uh, given, given the cosplay, one of the things that we like to start off with uh, is uh, how the characters are described in the books. Mm -hmm. um, so Simarog is described as uh, slender and taller than most men standing at about six foot one and a half, uh, yet was proportioned in such a way that her height was not striking in and of itself when she did not stand next to people. Uh, she had a beautiful charcoal black face with large black eyes and full lips. Uh, she had short, wavy, dark hair. Um, and was believed by the other Forsaken to always be dressed in black because Lanfear always dressed in white, uh, though none of them were ever willing to say it directly to her. Um, Catswain, uh, who interacts with her later on, and we'll get to that, um, described her as having a willowy build, uh, willow trees knowing for being characteristically slender and tall. Um, so that fits. Um, her time during the second age, so a little bit of the background and history for her second age, age of legends, uh, Simarog was not just a gifted healer. She was the most gifted healer out of all the Aes Sedai. It's got um, talent. Yeah, yeah, she definitely did. She, she put a capital T on the talent of healing. Like she made it a talent. Oh, yeah. uh, there's a point where she had her occupation rather than just being a doctor healer was known as a restorer. Uh, well, the restorer was cool. actually the old, the age of legends name for healers. Um, but uh, she was one of the most around. Yeah. I like the name more like to a degree. Like I like healer because it, it sounds like, you know, like combat medic, you know, healer mm -hmm. sounds pretty cool. But when you go like a restorer, that's like, you know, the Doctor Strange level, like, surgeon. Yeah. Thing is what it sounds like to me. Yeah, it brings you back to where, you, like, healing is just, it, it doesn't yeah. always restore you to what you were. It doesn't mm -hmm. always get you back to what you were previously, whereas restore, it's just like, I am going to legit remove the affectation that was on you. Yeah. 
I wish I could. Uh, what's the name of the anime? I can't remember it. It's it's a it's an isekai anime. Uh, but the guy basically, there's all these different kinds of magic. So there's a normal uh, four elements. Then there's light and dark, and then there's another one called null magic, which is unique to each individual person. Mm-hmm. And normally, everybody only has one, and nobody else can ever use like that one as well. Or it's incredibly rare. But he's able to use all of them, and he finds out that someone had a a, a type of null magic that called restore. That it took the the body and restored it to its natural state. So like he's able to use it to like cure blindness, uh, cure poisoning, all kinds of stuff. Um, Which uh, again sounds a lot like Simarog because she was whisked all over the world to heal people. Mm -hmm. She was known for being able to heal everything short of death. So it's like I have no other way to survive. Bring Simarog, but. She was also, uh, she developed a reputation and became a healer of last resort for most people because for some reason that we'll get into, probably starting here, a lot of the people that she healed, if not almost all of them, wound up going through a fair amount of pain to the point where for the longest, everybody thought that like, well, yeah, she's the only one that can heal these things. So, yeah, maybe it just hurts a little bit um, until eventually uh, what was actually happening was discovered because uh, your girl liked to cause a little bit of pain as she did her her things, um, just a little bit. And so eventually she got busted doing that. And then in addition to that, she would also take in, if she was tasked or, or asked to heal somebody, and in the process of like talking with them or getting to know them or whatever, she she just decided by herself that they didn't deserve to live. She just killed them. So, and if they didn't die because of her torture, she would go and mm-hmm. kill them later <laughs> via some form of torture. Oh, so, yeah. One way or the other. Um, she made sure that they got their due, which is a little bit of justice right there. But yeah. she was the judge and jury on that one. So Yeah. Judge, jury, executioner. Mm-hmm. All around badass. Um, eventually, the Hall of Servants finds out what she's doing, what's going on, um, and the sadistic nature of her crimes. They're they're horrified. It's it's kind of similar to uh, how they reacted to um, Agenor with his like human experimentation. Mm, except for him, yeah, except for him, they were just kind of like stop. They don't really go into it, though. Presumably, he got almost the same offer that Simarog did. Um, but Simarog got the offer to. Uh, basically either be completely stilled or she could be bound as a criminal by the binders, which uh, we now know in the third age as the oath rod. Uh, originally they were binding rods mm-hmm. uh, used only on criminals um, that could channel. But the binding chair you could use on anybody. But yeah, the she would have been able to stay and Aes Sedai, but she just wouldn't be able, physically be able to hurt anybody. She would have to promise not to hurt anyone. Yeah. Um, and she was alive. Fuck you, bitches. Yeah. She was just like, eh, let me think about this. And then was like, no. Um, she actually got furious because in her mind, the hall thought more of the quote unquote commoners than they did of someone as important and skilled as her. And she's like, well, if you don't appreciate me at my sadist, you don't deserve me at, at my savior. of glory. Yeah. Um, so she's like, I'm going with option C. And they're like, there is no option C. And she's like, there is now. Uh, because not only 
did she like have the the mental faculties to be like I'll just go join the other side? Uh, she had an abundance of power to do it because in terms of strength, she was at the top, paralleled only by uh, the uh, the Shan Chan Lady Olivia that we meet uh, in the Third Age and Lanfear from the Age of Legends. So it's safe to also assume that by the time of Lanfear's rebirth, um, Simarog would have been stronger than her uh, if she was still doing the Simarog things. But, you know, by, well, no, no, she's still alive by the time we first see um, Sindane come back. But Yeah, she's still there. And she, she I think she's actually there when Sindane um, gets introduced. And they're like, who's this? Probably. I can't remember if it was her or Grindall that does the first remarking. I'm like, oh, you're wearing red now? Oh, well, it's from Grind I believe it's from Grendel's POV, but I do believe mm. um, Samarag is there. Because Grendel, Samarag, and Damadred were very much in cahoots, um, as we'll discuss later. Um, but, so but another reason, like, sh the boar had been open for quite a while when mm -hmm. this um, ultimatum was given to her uh, yeah. to... Uh, bind herself or accept stilling. And hence her laughter being like, and there's a third choice, fuckers. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so in the Age of Legends, uh, she was uh, known as, right before she uh, became Simrog, she was known as Namine Damandar Bowen. So she was one of the uh, few that we see named that earned the coveted third name, uh, like Luz there and Telamon. Um, even, um, even Lanfear didn't earn the third name. She was just, uh, Mirren, whatever her last name was, um, yeah, I don't didn't know. have three of them. So who cares? Um, yeah, that's what the book's for. Um, which I could use. It's not like I don't have the companion book open right next to me, but <laughs> you know, um, um, but so like, that's just an, Aaron, a, a testament Aaron, to her. Nail? Aaron, nail? Yeah, that sounds about right. Sure. Let's go with that. Oh, is that the uh the the big bad yeah. big white book of bad art? Yep. Yeah. See, I get tripped up because somebody else says the big bad book of white art, and I almost always say it that way, which is <laughs> like it's funnier, but it's wrong. It's um, a big bad. It's a big naughty book. Yeah. Big naughty <laughs> Sorry. Book. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I should put this down. I'm really excited. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't. Um, so she's uh, she's first mentioned uh, in the Fires of Heaven, uh, Chapter Three. We first see her in Lord of Cha in the Lord of Chaos prologue. Um, we last actually see her in the Gathering Storm, Chapter Twenty Two, and she is last mentioned in A Memory of Light, Chapter Twenty Two. Um, because uh, if you didn't already figure it out by our comments and talks about Lanfear earlier, uh, Simrog is dead by the end of uh, by the end of a Memory of Light. Well, before the end of a Memory of Light, uh, the Gathering Storm actually, but she doesn't survive um, this this whole thing. I mean, few people do. So yeah, um, let's see. Do we want yeah let's do some historical notable achievements uh the one that always stands out to me the most you know the whole like oh if you get 13 channelers and 13 merge all together we can force you to follow the shadow yeah she discovered that 
That's all her thing. So Mazram Taim's entire ability to turn the Black Tower into uh, a haven for dark friendery is thanks to Cimarron. Yeah, she was not just a powerful healer of the body. She was also excellent at the mind. And I know Grendel is one of the ones that gets the credit frequently for uh, just being able to mend the mind and deal with the mind. Grendel doesn't really heal the mind. She just manipulates the mind. Whereas Simarag, it um, uses her restorer uh, abilities to heal the mind and change the mind. Uh, so, uh, and after she turned to the dark, she was given uh, governorship over multiple provinces. And this is where she started a lot of her more evil studies. So what she did before she turned in the dark was more just dalliances of just sadistic torture of her patients. Uh, once she turned to the dark, she just unleashed her curiosity about how to manipulate people. And uh, she really, she actually hated this ability of the 13 channelers and the 13, channelers of opposite gender and mm -hmm. um, 13 Mergel. Uh, she preferred to cause people so much pain that they would submit to the dark one and not go back. And she considered that just like peak perfection. Um, she yeah. thought it was lazy. I thought it was way more effective. Oh, yeah. Um, which I can kind of get because uh, theoretically, the turning can be undone. Um, I think actually, maybe we even see it happen. Um, but theoretically, they, the turning can be undone. In the books, they say that it they're, they're hoping it can be undone mm -hmm. and they're trying to save people. But they just don't know a way yet. But it's something that's done to the mind. So like Nynaeve is able to heal um, Nourish. No. Yeah, Narishma from the taint. Mm -hmm. Hypothetically, somebody will eventually be able to turn them back to the light. Yeah. Um, but so at least, at least theoretically, it can be healed. If at the very least, even if they can't do it quite yet. Um, so they probably got to have something like, uh, like the Nim or other constructs, like Shemesta mm -hmm. was, to counteract the Merdral. Um, but. For Simrog, she's like, yeah, you can undo that thing because it was unnaturally done. But if I absolutely destroy them, spirit and spirit and soul, and they cave, there's no just undoing that. You don't undo completely destroying somebody's entire psyche and spirit. Yeah, and the big white book even says um, the the people who have publicly come out for the dark. And that was one of her crowning achievements was that she was able to get these huge public figures to come out in favor of the dark one mm -hmm. and that side of the, the war. Um, even if they eventually recanted, they removed themselves from public light because they were terrified that she would find them. They basically went into absolute reclusion uh witness protection program whatever the memory or the age of legends <laughs> version of that was <laughs> yeah. the, the 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 light protection program <laughs> um well she was also and this is one of the smarter things that you ever a lot of it's it's terrifying how much of like some of the smarter things done by the shadow are attached to people like simarog 
Um, like Aganor gets a lot of really smart achievements just because, you know, he's like not particularly strong himself, but whenever you literally create the entire military force of your faction, you kind of get a pass. Oh, um, yeah. for Simarog, one of the smarter things that she, uh, that she did that helped the shadow overall was, uh, she was in charge of the network that rooted out all the traitors in the shadow. Mm-hmm. You know, that thing that like the entirety of at least the first what four or five books were like staring at the white tower being like why don't y'all have somebody that looks for this like you know there's dark friends everywhere you think they're just not here mm-hmm. um yeah no Simarog led that uh and you know she loved it because she I, I guarantee she very much did it in a white cloak fashion whether you're guilty or not you're going to confess to being a traitor and you're going to suffer for it mm-hmm. um and i think maybe Maybe the TV shows Valen, uh, not Valen Luca, not that guy, even, even Valda, um, had to have read some story about Simarog. Yeah, like he's he's like, yeah, you know, she was you know a horrible, evil person, but she had some neat ideas. Is I guarantee what well, it's, it's super effective, and when you have no moral compass, uh, you're able to exploit. Uh, things that people who have ethics and morals and constrain themselves, you're willing to do things that they just aren't. And um, yeah. And, and I will say, and this is a little bit of a real life tangent in order to truly extract good confessions, you can't just point like torture people because like the um, the witch trials, the Salem witch trials and like all the witch trials in England and across Europe before that, they would just literally torture people until they confess, like the white mm-hmm. cloaks do, until they confess to being witches. And that's not what Simarog was really trying to do. She wanted, she wanted the information and she knew exactly how to get the information out of you. And she didn't just use pain. She also used pleasure, which is kind of crazy that like mm-hmm. um you can that pleasure can be terrifying um as oh, i've got like my crop and i'm like mm. oh <laughs> <Hopefully> <laughs> it's exhilarating it's <laughs> exhilarating and enjoyable as it can be it can also be absolutely terrifying mm-hmm. and she was terrifying because uh this i didn't know until i was looking at the stuff for this episode um which definitely happened like over the course of the last week not within the last like 30 minutes or whatever. Um, there was a point during the War of Power where she was captured by the forces of the light and they were holding her. And she terrified her guards so badly that they smuggled her out. Like that's the the, the point where you think the person is the least dangerous to you. You they're still able to terrify you enough where you're like, mm-hmm. yeah, no, I'm just gonna turn on the entire side I'm fighting for. And smuggle out one of the most dangerous people roaming the earth right now. It's self-protection at that point. Like, oh my God, what is she going to do to me? What is she going to do to my family? Like, let me, like, I'll take that deal. I'll take that deal because it sounds like you're going to escape anyways, somehow. <laughs> so you Just imagine, like, they're sitting there in the dark or at night, just guarding her. And all she's doing is, like, talking her way through how she's going to torture the guards. And they're just sitting there for like after three hours of listening to their own torture being planned out and it's still only just begun. Like there's a, there's a bit of getting it like that's 
like she shows such a natural aptitude for psychological warfare. Mm-hmm. Um, like well, and- forget her being like developing psyops. Like she is the psyop. She is. Yeah. Well, yeah. She's just so terrifying. It like people, People upon in the Age of Legends, upon hearing that they were going to her facilities, would kill themselves as opposed to not kill themselves because they're, you know, they're like being a good soldier and like, oh, I'm not going to let this information get into the enemy hands. They killed themselves because they didn't want to go through the process of divulging that information. And they knew they would, but it would be a horrific process. This wasn't seppuku. This was absolute terror. I'm like, yeah. What's what option do I want? Like, unbelievable torture and misery, or just and death. Ultimately, death. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I could just skip to the end and not have to deal with all that shit in between. I think I'll just do that. Exactly. And she would just be like, "Huh, you didn't deserve to live anyway." Moving on. Willing the the forces of the dark actually put them like essentially started setting suicide watches because she became mm. so well known that um, captives going to her uh, that they just they're like oh shit we don't need another person because I can only imagine how much she punished those guards that let <laughs> yeah. their captives uh, kill themselves like how dare you rob me of this opportunity. So I'm going to very quickly and very briefly go over what we see her do on the pages. Again, it's going to be very briefly, very over overview, just to get an idea of her storyline. And then we'll get into some uh, more specific stuff. We've got some excerpts that uh, that Leia has, has found that we're, we'll be reading parts of and that kind of stuff. Uh, so uh, upon her release, it is assumed and reasonably assumed that Simarog, Demandred, and Masana did a lot of working together. Uh, since before the War of Power, and that would continue on, especially given Simrog's intimate knowledge um, of the brain and pain and pleasure centers. Um, she used these to uh, torture uh, Cabriana Macondas, uh, an Aes Sedai of the Blue Aja, into bending to her will, paving the way for Balthamel, um, recently revived as Halima. So that would be the, the Blue Aja sister you were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, during the same incident, uh, she also killed uh, Cabriana Makandi's warder, which will, that is one of the excerpts that we'll be uh, going through, so I won't go too far into that. Um, she has plenty of interactions with Shadar Haran, receiving direction from him as well, and feeling like every other one of the Forsaken did, being like, why am I listening to a murder all? And then it's like, I'm actually your boss incarnate. And they're like, oh, no. Um... Do, 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 do. Uh, it was Simarok who sent the Shadow Spawn to counter Samael Shadow Spawn in the Stone of Tear, uh, where they were attempting to slay Rand Althor, of course, the Dragon Reborn. So she's responsible for uh, giving Samael the old uh, the old shaft there. Um, uh, she also opposed as a Sophine named Anath Dejori, replacing Nefiri, who reportedly died falling down the stairs. And then was appointed as Tuan's supposed truth speaker and retainer. Uh, so she was with Tuan uh, whenever they were aboard the Victory of Kidron in the Shanchan invasion force. She was there when they arrived at Abu Dar, um, and she planned to manipulate Tuan. However, was unsuccessful as the future Empress was strong-minded and a willful charge, as she described her. 
which is saying a lot about Tuan's mental fortitude that Simarog couldn't manipulate her enough. Um, however, oh, Matt Cawthon removed that obstacle for her, uh, <laughs> letting Simarog do her whole thing. So now that the person that she was true speaker for was gone, Simarog went, huh, convenient change of plans, went back to Sean Chan and said, hey, Empress and your whole family, fuck off, and killed them all. Um, and then set herself up. Uh, well, she did that with uh, Surath's help. Uh, Surath, you know, if you watch the TV show, you definitely know uh, Surath as a dark friend. Um, set Surath off to find and murder Tuan while Simrog went back uh, and murdered the the Empress because uh, apparently may she not live forever uh, in Simrog's mind, which fair enough. Uh, and planned eventually to. Uh, set Sarath up as the next Empress of the Shan Chan because unlike Tuan, Sarath was easily manipulated by um, by Simarog. Well, and Sarath uh, was already a dark friend, so oh, she's yeah. just going to whomever at that point. Yeah. yeah, which like seeing how she's portrayed in the TV show just makes it even more believable because oh, every yeah. time I see her, I'm just like, I don't like you for multiple reasons, but I especially don't like you now. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Uh, she attended the meeting with the other chosen and Teleron Riyadh, um, and was made to look like the Anseline Gardens that was there. That she, along with the rest of the chosen, were also were all told that Ran was not to be harmed, but that Matt and Perrin were free game, kill if found. Uh, then she went on and masqueraded as the daughter of the Nine Moons, impersonating Tuan herself uh, to plan the meeting with Ran. And Cad Swain was the one that discovered her weaves of disguise, thanks to the paralysis net that Cad Swain wore. Uh, was identified and captured, but not before. Uh, I don't like the way they worded this because they're like, not before blasting Rand with a fireball. She tried to blast men with the fireball. Mm -hmm. Rand and uh, was unable to seize the source fully in time to save men, so he put his hand in the way, losing his hand but saving men, uh, and thus. Uh, it was his right hand, so crippling his efforts to self-pleasure for the rest of his life. I, you um, know, you can learn to use your other hand. It's not the I mean, rest of his life. They say if you go lefty or, you, you know, you go southpaw with that, that it feels like a stranger. I'm just like, I just get annoyed because I can't coordinate that well. Okay, so completely separate. Like, tangent <laughs> list. I've been re-listening to The Expanse and, like, the first chapter they're um, on the ice hauler and uh, the Canterbury and one of the guys, mm -hmm. it's even in the show, like has lost his arm previously because it's a very, but he's talking about uh, getting the mechanical arm and he's talking about like, oh yeah, they even <laughs> say like for the first couple of months, like they recommend masturbating and it feels like you're getting a hand job. And it's just like, <laughs> it's such a fucking <laughs> hilarious detail. But anyways, I digress. <laughs> We're talking you see about the video, there was a... There was a guy that was showcasing um, a prosthetic arm that he got that had like pre-programmed settings and he hit one of the buttons and it went into like the jack setting. And so he's like <laughs> trying to stop and it's just sitting there like bouncing up and down. And it's just, <laughs> surely funny. it was an accident unfortunate, but um, anyway, well, it's, it's not the same. Are you talking yeah. about he's talking about the left hand? <laughs> he's like, oh, I did not mean for this to be on national television, but now I'm a meme on the internet forever. Um, <laughs> Let's see. So it's after the fireball incident um, because Simrog does the I don't care how big the room is. I said I cast fireball uh, that she is captured. 
Um, but Rand again uh, refused to execute a female Forsaken. Uh, this is definitely one of the moments where he is criticized for his uh, bias towards not harming uh, women, regardless of what they do in the series. Um, Simrog is also the one that points out to Rand, like, oh, you're hearing voices, aren't you? And he's just like, the fuck, how you know? And it's like, I don't know, maybe because she knows the brain better than anybody else alive. Oh, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, she explains a lot of things. And it the, for Cad Swain, the pieces fall together. Yeah. Um, and she's the one that really puts it into Rand's brain, even after her capture, that, well, if you're already hearing voices, it's probably pretty soon that you'll kill everybody you love. And he's like, but I just gave a hand to save the person or one of the people I love. Um, moving on from there, uh, she's kind of put under the supervision of Catswing, who tries to interrogate her without success uh, because, let's face it, Simrog is just way more talented and way more resilient to it than Catswing uh, is until Catswing later on figures out kind of her weakness. Um she talked about torture techniques and the violence that she did to her prisoners, causing fear amongst her Aes Sedai jailers. Bit of a pattern here that I'm starting to see that I'm not so sure that I like. You know that meme. <laughs> um, when Sorelia uh, um, uh, pointed out, which I know I'm butchering the name, the wise one, Sorelia, uh, pointed out just, yeah. Yeah, just hey, how human... Differently in the books each time. Don't worry about it. <laughs> Yeah, um, just how human she was in actuality to Simrog. Uh, Simrog actually kind of reacted, so there might be a little bit of a god or superiority complex going on there. Shocker. Uh, and Kathleen was like, huh, you know, she's too proficient in the arts of torture to succumb to it herself. So she switched from uh, pain, uh, pain and torture kind of things to humiliation. Um, and notably got the most actual information out of Simarog after actually bending her over her knee and spanking her um, and doing little things to humiliate her. <laughs> yeah. Um, and whittle away her uh, self-imposed larger-than-life reputation. Again, beginning with that old-fashioned spanking. Uh, it wasn't long after this that conveniently she was released by Shadar Huran, who also gave... Uh, uh, ensure she got the domination ban, which is the uh, kind of male-affecting counterpart to the Adam from the Shanchan. Um, but she got that from Elza Pinfell, and together they used it to capture Rand. Uh, this is when she decided, I'm going to make Rand feel pain, and I'm also going to try to kill Min Farshal again. And in an absolute panic rage, uh, now that Rand crossed the beams, which you should never do, but he did that, uh, he was able to draw upon the true power uh, and break the domination ban uh, and then killed Simarog and Elza with Bellfire. Finally, finally, once and for all, giving a big fuck you to the mistress of torture. Um, also pointing out that it's a uh, fairly, uh, well, it's, it's, it would be fair to assume that at this point, old Shaitan's not too pleased with his torturer in chief the only way to use the true power is for the dark one to say it's fine so you gotta did he do it completely through Morden who already had permission or did the dark one just kind of go like oh you're gonna kill somebody that i want to die anyway all right fine but that is that's a little a more in depth than i initially meant but that's a brief overview of uh Simrog's activities in the books it's perfect <sighs> it was amazing Breathe. take a drink you deserve it <laughs> 
Oh, thank you. I will allow you a drink now. <laughs> thank you, mistress. You're welcome. <laughs> Good boy. Um, what is that show that um uh the same lady, I, I don't know why I can't remember her name. Um as I can any other day. Uh she also played in the show Ghost uh Ghost Whisperer. Um Oh, Jennifer Black Hair. Jennifer Love Hewitt. That's it. Um she's in another show where she plays like a 911 dispatcher and there's one of her counterparts or that works in the office um gets a call from a guy that's like in a um in a, a dominatrix dungeon <laughs> and like there wound up being bees and his dominatrix got stung and was like in anaphylactic shock oh but he shit. was tied up he was tied up and couldn't get free to save her and the oh. the 911 caller basically turned into a dominatrix on the phone to force him to dislocate his own shoulder so that he could get free and save her life. And you just see the whole call center just like, they're all just staring at her while she's like, you don't deserve to even talk to me, you piece of scum. And he was like, I'm sorry, mistress. <laughs> That's hilarious. It's really good. Really good. Um, <sighs> but yeah. And I'm also finding that I need to turn down the AC unrelated, unrelated. I'm not unrelated. like, <laughs> I'm not like getting hot under the collar about this, but yeah, which uh, something we can show there. Ah, yeah, so... we can do that. Well, you can do that. Mm. I am just a guest. Uh, <laughs> so where do you want, good sir, good boy, where do you want to start with this? Where do you want to dive in? <laughs> Um, I've never been on this side of that kind of <laughs> I'm telling more about myself than I ever meant to. Um <laughs> I'm telling a little bit more about myself, I think, also. I mean, you know, if, you know, let's just blame it on D D. If you play enough D D, you have to like portray sure. yourself as enough characters where you can just figure it out. Oh yeah, especially um, like I DM. So like dungeon master, not well different. I uh, yeah, yeah, that works for both. Um, I mean, it does. It does. <laughs> so what There's more than dragons in the dungeon. About? I'm telling you that. Um, um, I, I love that we start with the Cabrana yeah. stuff. Yeah, let me turn down the AC real quick. All right. Um, oh. One of the reasons I love this scene, uh, it's one of, it, it's Simarog's first POV that you really get, and one of the few ones. Uh, the first thing we get very few of their POVs. Um, but it's just as her mind wanders, as she's literally torturing these two people, she's experiencing this conversation with Shatter Haran, which is the first time that she's made known of his existence. Uh, but it's it's fascinating. And one of the reasons I really do like talk talking about like learning more about me than I normally let people know is I've always had a fascination with the concept of torture and how it elicits things. I did a um my high school took a European tour uh, between my freshman and senior year or freshman and sophomore year of high school and we went to this um, in England. One of this, this um, it was all. It was all about torture. Like this museum. Like I don't know why the teachers thought this was a good idea for high school students. I think they have a section of the Tower of London that showcases like some of the prison implements and torture implements. Yeah, and it, like again, it was just super. And I was just engrossed in the concepts and like 
how creative people could be. Again, as I said earlier, like I also have this, uh, because of my time in the military, I do have this fundamental belief that just straight up torture is not going to elicit the responses that you want. People will literally confess. But if you if you do the targeted type of torture that I believe that Semarong did, and this is why I think I initially became fascinated with her, I started reading the books when I was at the Naval Academy. And so I was really just putting these things, like these experiences in high school together with these new experiences with ethics and um, some of the other classes that I was taking at the Academy. And like, and Semarag came around and I was just like, oh my God, I love her because it, it like, she makes so much sense. Like she is the person who knows how to do this. She's not a dumbass white cloak. Who's just going to like, Ooh, just confess mm -hmm. that you're a dark friend. She's like, she knows how to get shit done. And I will say, I think I, I've always said this, Jordan writes horror so well. And every almost every time he's writing a scene with Semarag in it has some sort of horror component. And, mm. and it's just, it's so good. It's, it shows the depth and breadth of his writing and, and she is fucking terrifying. So anyways, uh, the, yeah. the Corona stuff, um, it's the two different types of torture. Um, so it's the pain and give you know giving a little bit uh and then with the warder it's the pleasure and i mentioned earlier people mm. don't really think that pleasure could be a form of torture but um it like she makes it especially because she's able to get into the mind and stimulate his mm. mind to give him pleasure to the point where it's um awful so it, yeah. like, it's against his will it's very rapey so um do you want do you want uh you want to read through it oh my god <laughs> do you Briefly? want do or you do you want, want me to or i'm not the best at reading out loud but i can no, i can do it if you want yeah i got it right here um so some of this we're going to abbreviate because we're not going to read like you know seven pages uh, of stuff uh so basically um she has spent a fair amount of time prior so this is lord of chaos chapter six um after the the whole uh Samuel and grendel and then grendel passages um later on um she just got done uh torturing uh cabriana uh with pure pain um and has moved on to a separate room in her uh dungeon of torture and pleasure uh to address her warder directly but before that uh, Shadar Haran makes an appearance um, and she kind of gets her come to not Jesus moment <laughs> with Shadar Haran because um, she she mentions uh, abruptly she realized that her hands were pressed hard against her stomach which seemed a ball of ice. It had been many years since she had felt that anywhere except facing the great lord in the pit of doom um, and the lump began to melt as she moved to the other uh, to the other prison door. Um, later, she would analyze the emotion dispassionately, um, which is like a, a weird single short line of foreshadowing to just the mentality of Simrog. She's like, oh, I'll deal with it later. Um, but also goes to show where she kind of realizes where Shadow Haran's power comes from. Mm -hmm. um, 
so she walks into the the prison room with um with Cabriano's warder. Uh, and it says, pausing, Simrog studied him. There was something, a tightness around the mouth and eyes, as if he already fought pain. Of course, that peculiar bond between Aes Sedai and Warder. Strange that these primitives should have come up with something that none of the Chosen understood, yet it was so. From the little she knew, this fellow quite possibly felt at least some of what the other patient was undergoing. Patience. Another time, yeah, patience. Uh, another time that would present interesting possibilities. Now it only meant that he thought he knew what he was facing. Your owner does not take very good care. Of, or would you want? Would Would you like to read the dialogue since sure. you're in cosplay? Your owner does not take very good care of you, she said. If she was more than a savage. There would be no need for you to be so marred with all those scars. His expression changed only slightly a, to a tinge of contempt. So. This time she set the net on the pleasure centers and began the slowly increasing stimulation. He was intelligent. He frowned, shook his head, then his eyes narrowed, fixed on her like chips of dark ice. He knew he should not be feeling that rising bliss, and though he could not see her net, he knew it had to be her work. So he set himself to fight it. Simarog almost smiled. No doubt he thought pleasure easier to fight than pain. On rare occasions, she had broken patience with no more than this. It gave her little enjoyment, and afterward they could not think coherently, simply wanting more of the ecstasy that blossomed in their heads. But it was quick, and they would do absolutely anything for more. That lack of coherence was why she had not used it on the other patient. She needed awareness there. This fellow would learn the difference soon enough. Um, and so while she's doing this, this is where we're going to kind of abbreviate. She kind of mentally goes back to the conversation with Shadal Haran, and she's just kind of letting her mind wander as if like you're absentmindedly doing a task that you've done a thousand and one times before and you don't need to concentrate on it. Um, finally gets to the point where uh, it says an odd feeling to the net pulled her out of her thoughts. She took, she took one look at the patient and clicked her tongue in exasperation. His head hung to one side, chin dark with blood where he had chewed his tongue, eyes staring and already filmed over. Inattention, and she had let the stimulation grow too fast, too far. With an irritation that never touched her face, she stopped channeling. There was no point trying to stimulate the brain of a corpse. Yeah, and... Sudden, go ahead. It's crazy. Sorry, yeah. that's all I was going to say. And the next part is like, okay, it's like, okay, it's terrifying enough that she literally just killed a man absentmindedly by stimulating his pleasure centers too much. Whatever that looks like to you in your brain... You're probably right. Um, but the way it's described makes it sound more like an addictive drug than like the pure sexual stimulation that we talk about a lot. But it's probably a lot of both. Well, it's, yeah, it's a lot of both. Um, like it's addictive, but have like it, it, it almost turns you into a sex addict. Yeah. I mean, sometimes like, uh, especially people in the military, we'll make jokes about very dark subjects to kind of mm -hmm. lighten them up and not make them so serious. Yeah. 
So like even before before recording when we were talking about this, I made the comment like, "Hey, have you ever nutted so hard you died?" And like that's like meant as a joke, but it also is probably what happened like like that's, to yeah. a degree. But um she goes uh, from there, a sudden thought occurred to her, if the warder could feel what the Aes Sedai felt, was the reverse true? Eyeing the scars that decorated the man's body, she was sure it was impossible. Even these simple fools would have altered the bond if it meant sharing the feel of that. Still, she abandoned the cadaver and stepped across the corridor with some haste. Screams heard before she opened the ironbound door onto darkness brought a deep breath of relief. Killing the woman before draining her of everything she knew would probably have meant remaining here until another eye said I was captured, at the least. There were barely intelligible words among the throat-shredding howls, words that seemed to have all the force of the patient's soul behind them. Please, oh light, please, which I'm not doing any justice in reading because I am not that good at acting. <laughs> Simarog smiled faintly. There was a little fun in this after all. And so ends chapter six of Lord of Chaos. It's horrifying. <laughs> yeah. So uh, it's, I, I love like this is one of those instances like yeah, death by snoo snoo. Um, great episode of Futurama, by the way. I mean, they're all they're most of them are pretty great. Um, this is definitely an example, like you were talking earlier, about Robert Jordan writing these kind of horror scenes really, really well. Because um, this is a complete tonal shift from anybody else we ever see in the entire books. Like, in the in the subtle ways, too. Just the, you know, oh, this patient, that patient, the this cadaver, cadaver yeah. the corpse. You know, all, all this kind of stuff where it's, you're, and it, and it fits so well with Simrock. She is a medical professional by trade, by, mm-hmm. by history. And this is how she thinks. Like she thinks in, in medical terminology, and it makes me think a lot of um, I can't remember the numbers. Like one of the camps, or, or it was Unit like three, three seven four or something like that. It's really famous um, from World War II. It was a Japanese unit um, mm-hmm. that carried out horrific experiments on POWs, like uh, much in the same oh, way. Oh, the that, one in uh, China, yeah. Yeah, uh, much in the same way that like, uh, well, in some ways, uh, I don't well, not to. Not to say one atrocity is worse than the other. In many of the same ways that Nazis experimented on uh, on um, the, whoever they put in their camps. Um, yeah. It wasn't just uh, Jewish individuals. Um, but uh, they would do things like, and I could definitely imagine Simrock doing this. Um, they would amputate and swap limbs just to see if it worked. They would swap limbs from different people just to see if it worked. Mm-hmm. Um, it was a fairly common practice for them to intentionally uh, infect their patients with syphilis uh, just to see how the disease progressed. Um, it, horrific stuff. If you have a weak stomach, don't look at any of that stuff. Like that's yeah. not like a making fun of anything. Honestly, like it, it's horrific stuff that w- that went on. Um, so. Well, and but, sadly, a lot of, unfortunately out of a lot of what the, the Japanese and the Germans did, they were able to, the scientific community was, able to take some of the bad things that they did that that yeah. you ethically would never ever be able to do and use it for future purposes and i do like again why around the time that i was learning about all these things in school was when i was um reading these books and it just became this fascination of like 
studying these atrocities of war, but learning about this woman who in her previous life had probably been able to do something similar, like taking these horrible experiments and being like, oh, but wait, like that might work. Um, like she yeah, did with the barn just in. She's like, not okay. Like, don't, like, no, I don't think any of that's okay ever, but, um, and I'm not trying to make light of what happened, but. Oh yeah, no, absolutely not. I mean, it's one of the things, again, like, trying to make humor out of uh, intrinsically dark and, and horrifying situations, mm-hmm. like the trying to find a silver lining uh, to stuff. If there is one to be found, doesn't mean that you excuse the atrocities, but sure. yeah, you know, the, also like many of the worst things that have ever happened in human history in some way or another have yielded something that we can at least learn from. Um, yeah. And it would be a miss, uh, not a miss from the books. It would be a miss of us as, as human beings to, not acknowledge the full spectrum around the events because uh, you got to understand all sides to, to have an actual educated opinion. You only come at something from only one side, uh, even if you're coming at it from the right side, like the correct side, um, you're still doing yourself a disservice, in my opinion. Um, but someone that came at everything from all sides again, Simarog, um, and made people on all sides come. I mean, clearly, yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, having no bounds and just being able mm. to go do things. Again, um, that's why she's able to accomplish a lot. And that's why I do contend that like she is the most effective forsaken because she just she's very methodical, meticulous. Um, she's very strategic about what she does and why she does it and how she does it. And um, like, I think she has the the best historical effect on this track record. Mm-hmm. Um, especially, you know, obviously we're going to be a little biased towards the, the black tower here. Um, <laughs> oh, I am, uh, <laughs> you know, for obvious reasons, you know, it's, it's only part of the, um, the alleged name. namesake. I got to leave that broad and open for yeah. <laughs> legal reasons. Um, but the, the, the biggest problem that faces the, the, the black tower um, and arguably, like, you know, the section of amnesty that Rand sets up, the biggest problem that faces it is literally something Simarok created during the War of Power, um, using her knowledge and that kind of stuff. And, you know, everybody else is doing it after. It's just, you know, following the steps in a scientific mm-hmm. guidebook. Um, it's like, you know, how to open heart surgery for dummies kind of thing. Yeah. But it's like, you know, how to force recruit followers for, for, for dummies that continues to be a thorn in the side for the forces of the light all the way from uh, almost the formation of the farm uh, in the Black Tower. Well, even a memory before of that, like, Rand, um, I believe Moraine tells Rand that he can mm-hmm. be forced to turn to the dark yeah. even before he found. So he's aware of this. And then I think Egwene, um, in her testing, uh, for accepted, um, it's mentioned about the the thirteen Marjol and the the thirteen mm-hmm. Isidai and like, and she's just horrified that um, Rand might be turned to the dark and in, in her testing. So it's like as early as that. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of the the caution for the thirteen for Rand that is, you know, no matter how strong you are. Uh, no man could resist being shielded by a retinue of 13 linked sisters, um, which mm-hmm. is fair. Um, you know, I, I do like that there's not a 
just you can be too OP to be controlled or, or stopped or hindered, which I do like. And I think that's one of the things that Robert Jordan does very well with his magic system that a lot of other softer magic systems don't do because mm-hmm. they don't get into that level of detail. Um, you know, or you get stuck in something like Dragon Ball Z where, oh, no, I can't defeat this guy. Here's another transformation <laughs> that I yeah. magically made during this thing, which don't get me wrong. I still love Dragon Ball Z, but, you know, I'm, I'm also a big fan of, like, stop while you're ahead. Like, yeah. You don't need to keep going and making stuff even more and more ridiculous. Uh, though some of the newer stuff is cool. Uses more strength. Anyway. <laughs> um, so she's historically effective. She's historically accomplished. And then when you when you take into account things like sending Shadow Spawn to counter Samael's Shadow Spawn, like she's even more effective. But that is definitely one where I, I struggle to really wrap my head around like why? well she goes one of their dark ones direction the dark one directs her to do that um, oh does he those because he doesn't want Rand to die so he the the trollics are specifically mm. protecting Rand um but sowing the chaos i i think that they're hoping that um like maureen and maybe um. Perrin and Matt may die. I don't think, um, like, Egwene is definitely not on their radar yet. Elaine is not on their radar. Like, these other people. So it's basically Moraine, the the Gandalf figure, uh, the the wise sage guiding Rand, uh, who just killed one or two Forsaken uh, previously. Uh, We'll see. At this point, he's he's killed... um, Killed, uh, Ishmael, who gets reborn, of course, is Morden. He Bethal, yeah. Yeah, and then... And then somebody else in the Stone of Tear as well, right? Anyways, like, Moraine has... I don't, I don't think before this attack. Moraine um, has taken out a couple of Forsaken at this point. So I feel like those out. are the targets of the Dark One's Wrath. I thought it was Bothamel that died. No, not Ravine. Yeah, I think it was. He who comes with yeah, it's yeah. Bothamel, definitely. And then Agnor in the first book, I think she she bail fires him in the first. No, book. he so um, he kills Agnor, and the other one, Bothamel, is the one that burns himself out and turns into ash. That's right. Trying and to then, pull too much of the pure sidene. That's right. She does through a combination. The first book. It's the it's in the Stone of Tear. Or, um, That's Bilal. She she bellfires Bilal in the Stone Bilal, of Tear yeah. because Bilal is trying to take Kalendor. And like Rand's like, I can't Bilal actually defeat him. Bilal. And she's like, Yeah. Because Bilal is a bag of fucking nothing. <laughs> I mean, pretty much. I only remember Bilal because um Bilal is actually uh the name of one of the, the arch demon arch demons in uh Christian lore. Oh, that's right. I should I mean, it's a little different. It's more like Baal rather than Balal, but it's not Probably like Robert Jordan doesn't have a couple things time. where he just changes like three letters and it's a different name. Yeah, which is fair. At least he changed it. He could have just left it the same. I'm sure, um, like my origin you know, across the room. Otherwise, I would look yeah. that. Up. You know, like oh, Maalanir winds up sounding a lot like Mjolnir in the way that it does yeah. things. Like oh, there's yeah. a big tie to a wolf and a hammer tied to Thor. That definitely has no link to vi- to Norse mythology. Um, 
yeah so anyways uh dark one is give similar yeah, because at that point she's already getting direction from shadar haran because this is one of the, yet, she's no, one of the ways yet. that we find out director no, we don't we don't Shadar see Haran doesn't exist yet no he does uh, well because we find out he's he, of, we've never seen him in person because he's not directly referenced but, but she, it's almost like this time she it's almost like him it's is almost like in that scene that we just read mm -hmm. and that's after because that's after the breaking of the tower um yeah but it's revealed uh if i'm unless i'm mistaken later on that like balal has been moving around in the background or not balal fucking shadar Haran has been moving around in the background oh, yes. before like because we've seen uh earlier references then when we first see the reference to shadar Haran to like a mysterious murdral or mm -hmm. a weird murdral um in very light passing things um but it's specifically stated that Shadar, or, sorry, the dark one is the one that gives her. Um, yeah, because if we look, um, he technically, Shadar Haran technically first appears from information we get later on um, in Eye of the World, uh, Chapter 17, Watchers and, what is it, Watchers and Waiters? Watchers and Hunters. Um, and I'm trying to find the exact reference to point that out right now. Uh, reference shall go blah 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 characters. Um, where is he? Oh, Ron is not in the com companion. Mm. Interesting. I think it might be. Yes, there's a, a fade that tries to fight Rand. Um, what fucking hall are they in? They're in a he's in a hallway. Uh, Rand heads for his room, uh, sipping his milk, and a fade appears from the end of the hall. Halfman asks Rand where the others are, but Rand is unable to either answer or run away. As the sound of boots running in the upstairs hallway is heard, the fade swings its sword at Rand's head, then stops at the last moment saying that Rand belongs to the Great Lord of the Dark before vanishing from the hall just before Land comes crashing down the stairs. And it's, uh, I think, revealed through context later that that fade, because no other fade speaks in the books other than Shadar. Yeah, he's the only fade that verbalizes. Yeah, that we find out by context clues later on and learning more about Shadar Haran. And the mannerisms of that fade fit perfectly with Shadar Haran, that that is like the first time we see Shadar Haran now, in writing, was it that Robert Jordan wrote that and is like, this guy will be Shadar Haran, and you'll find out like mm -hmm. in like five books from now or whatever? Or was it something that RJ had a fade do and it just happened to work out to where it was Shadar Haran? And then Maybe he a little like, column like, column. It and like, oh yeah, that was totally Shadar Haran. But yeah. also, so, I would like to bitch really quickly, a uh, total tangent. This mm -hmm. is the this paragraph is the entire entry for Shaidar Haran. Why the is that fuck the companion? Get, yes, why did the fuck do we only get one paragraph on this badass uh again evil tool of the dark where like there's an entire paragraph the same size describing Elaine's bosom in the same book? Like I mean please. Give us more contextual information about some of the characters and as much as I love boobs, I'm a boob chick. I love boobs. Wow. But um, 
I don't know. Uh, not wild what you said, but I'm like looking like we get we get a bigger entry for the Shido IL than we do Shadar Haran. Yeah, it's Shido. Which they do have a lot more screen time, but mm-hmm. Shido IL. But still, it's just like, come on, like give me more info. Uh anyways. Yeah, so talking about the stone and tear and sending the um the force of the dark, namely a group of trolls. Yeah. Also, I always was fascinated because I don't think I really got a good answer on how she got the Trollocs through because Trollocs can't th- go through gateways. So, like, are, is there a multi-force manipulation going on and the Dark One knows and he's like, okay, so this thing's going to happen, but I also need you to send these Trollocs another way <laughs> and they sneak in somehow because they can't go through the... the um the gate uh yeah, they the can't gate. they can't go through traveling gateways but they can go through the ways but the ways was out of the city far out yeah. of the city well i mean you Wasn't wouldn't it? oh no I mean, that was the no stone. they were in this the, was the, the the there were ogier groves at all of the major cities that the ogier were working at but the, um, during the age of were still outside of the city limits at that point i, I think. think i think they were but i mean yeah, if you're if you're yeah, bringing I, in and staging a military force, like honestly, that's ideal. Like the same reason why, like the the waygate near Amon's field was actually like in what was the Ogier Grove for Manethrin, miles away. Um, yeah, miles yeah. away, and that's like, Kaylin's, how could you have asked thousands of Trollocs? Well, easy, we did it where nobody goes. Camelin's oh. one of the few ones where the city has overgrown, uh, and it's like in the basements, and then. Even in Kyrian, it's a, a mansion that's kind of further. It's uh, Barthana, so, you know, our favorite. <laughs> our favorite fop from season two. Um, but kind of, it's more on the outskirts of where the city is. Not quite outside the four gate, but I don't know if I lost Andrew. So hopefully we get him back. But I'm just going to vamp for a little bit. So we will continue. Uh, so the next thing that Simarag does outside, uh, after, um, listening to the Dark One's orders and basically saving Rand's life by having these Trollocs in your back. Uh, <laughs> um, I mean, I was just it's not the, it's, uh, no, no, you're, you're great. Um, <laughs> and it's far from the last time or the first time that we see that like this kind of thing happen. Um, where like two of the Forsaken actively counteract each other, whether at the direction of the Dark One or not. Um, actually, it's one of the few times we see them counteract each other at the direction of the Dark One. Mm-hmm. Uh, normally, he doesn't give a fuck, which is part of why they're so ineffective. Um, well, and even within that, Lanfear is doing her own thing. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's like the constant, like just, and this is why the Forsaken just don't have a lot of teeth because the forces of the dark are selfish and they're in for themselves. They won't countermand direct orders from the dark one, but they will find as much wiggle room as they can and do whatever they can to promote themselves and what they think look makes them look good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Cause yeah, even now, like the only people Simrog really worked with was, the Mandred and Masana. Mm-hmm. And we we know what 
in retrospect, uh, Demandra was up to, but you don't really ever, you don't see it in the books um, until, you know, you see the effects of it uh, in Memory of Light at Tarman Gaiden when he actually finally shows up. Um, and then Masana's like running around doing her, mm-hmm. her own thing. Um, but uh, I love, I have to think that part of her time being like the, the person that sniffs out the traitors to the shadow is what made her so uniquely qualified to put a mole in the Saladar Aes Sedai. Oh, for sure. To help with Halima getting in there. Mm-hmm. Um, or, um, oh, what is he reborn as? Is that Osengar? That takes on. Yeah, Osengar. Yeah, reborn as Osengar. Yeah, I think Because so. you have Arangar and Osengar, and they're both, uh, like, each name corresponds to a dagger and a pair of poison daggers. Uh, From a, duel, a set of dueling knives, yeah, in the, yeah. the Age of Legends, yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the right hand and the left hand. Yeah. And I always uh, get confused on which one's Osengar and which one's Arangar. I, Osengar is Agonor Reborn because I remember like he doesn't become Arangar because they both start with an A and he oh, doesn't okay. go from A name to A name. Ah, alliteration. That works. It's the only way I remember it. A name becomes O name and then whatever else is left is... Uh, so actually, yeah, this is Agonor Reborn as Osengar doing the whole Halima thing in Salador. I thought it was the other way around. I thought it was... Um... Bothamel was Halima. I could be absolutely wrong about this. In Halima. There's a, there, good thing there's a book for that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, Bothamel is reborn as Arangar. Which is... But Arangar is Halima. So, yes. Right. So, yes, it is. It is uh, as I was saying, and I'm like, that doesn't make a lot of sense for Arang, for Agonor to be the one that's like manipulating people with headaches. Well, I, I knew Agonor was... Um, what's his face in the black tower so i knew that because bothamel's dashiva yes yeah because um because agonor that would be how i remember it like being on the black tower podcast you think dashiva would be how i remember because i love dashiva the only reason i but the only reason i remember again let let me get my crop back out uh the only reason i remember that halima is bathamel is that agonor's personality is not the like sexual deviant um whereas um bathamel was very much into like the pleasures of the flesh to like to the integrate like going going Mm. beyond bdsm and all that sort of stuff like to the um worst regions of um the sexual encounters so not not the consensual types the like not consensual types um and yes so initially getting put in the body of halima was meant to be a punishment and he's just like not not a fan of first but then he's like oh yeah this is amazing (laughs) so like actually there's a lot of fun things i can do now that i couldn't before yeah so anyways that's another topic for another time oh and sorry uh because i just i just read over she didn't uh simrog didn't just like murder the the empress and her family uh she murdered the empress and the entire imperial court yes like anybody who was anybody simrog just showed up and was like okay 
Tuan won't be manipulated by me, and I'm kind of bored of this now, so die. And she's gone because Matt took her. Um, mm -hmm. So Simarok had no idea where the fuck she was. Yeah. Um, so, um, but I, I think like could have been dead could have yeah. maybe been dead. Simarok is also like she's she's the most practical forsaken, like. Which is definitely a virtue of like her methodical, like medical thinking brain, because she thinks cause effect, cause effect, cause effect. Mm -hmm. Um, which we see by like again that same chapter where she's referring to patients and cadavers and corpses, not really thinking about like, oh, this ice that I am torturing. She's like, this patient that's undergoing my care. Um, which points to like she might legitimately believe that like she's actually doing something good for them, that like the torturing and the inflicting of pain, in addition to achieving her goals. Something good for them but she like mm -hmm. in the way that um i think it's himmler the the german nazi uh scientist like mm -hmm. created all those people as patients like this is patient mm -hmm. one or subject one patient subject are also intermixed um mm -hmm. like she was used to being a restorer and naming so i think like you know she she saw them i was thinking like i was thinking kind of like along the lines of like uh Dolores Umbridge you know when she's like torturing Harry with the quill and she's like deep down you know you deserve this Dolores is an amateur please I mean compared to Simrog yeah but the kind of like a similar vein of mentality because Simrog also very clearly like the way she addresses the the uh the Aes Sedai and thinks about them like the savages mm -hmm. your owner like definitely looks at all these people like as absolute subhuman savages then I guess you could say like Harry at this point is more the two on just like refusing to give in to yeah. the the manipulation and the mind bending. Mm -hmm. Um, whereas obviously Dolores was using that as like it's been a proven technique. Mm -hmm. Uh and somehow yeah. how the fuck did Dolores Umbridge not get reported for that type of shit? Seriously? <laughs> mm. Anyways, that is like a completely different world, a completely yeah. different podcast. I'm more curious about how like she got away from all the centaurs, but <sighs> yeah. But you know, she broke the treaty and attacked first. So she did. There's that. She did. So, never trust anybody unless you're watching a lawyer. Never trust anybody dressed in all pink. So. I don't know. They're just mean girls. There's well, I guess oh, lawyer would that. be um legally oh, blonde. Yes, legally blonde. Yeah. So. <laughs> so that's what I was going with. I've never watched Mean Girls, so but I've seen Legally Blonde, so which is fantastic. Well Simara um, wears all black. She's not wearing all pink, so that's true. That's true. Uh there's enemies in all directions and be careful because they wear they wear all kinds of shit. Mm -hmm. Um see what else what have we not talked about with Simran? um we could get to when she so we've already discussed a little bit about um her getting captured by accidentally exploding Rand's hand um but her getting broken mm. i think was fascinating oh it was um this beard leaves like a really really weird like aftertaste and almost smell oh like when you taste something you can kind of like smell it like in the back of your nose mm -hmm. it's like a very like mm, like mm, like gem musty kind of like after thing and i'm not a big fan um 
But I'm also not a, a criminal, so. Um, oh, and I turned right to the part where um, Simarog uh, collars him. Well, do you want to talk about that, or do you want to talk about the Cad Swain part first, where she gets broken? Uh, probably the gets broken, because, I mean, well, the whole thing where she moves to and puts the domination ban on Rand and starts controlling him and trying to, basically, like, she's going to force him to be the one that actually kills men. That is, like, for the current age, the height of her power and accomplishment at the mm -hmm. moment. Um, and again, peak Jordan writing horror. Yeah. Just like, um, fuck, what the fuck is going on? Fuck, fuck. Like, I feel like as I'm reading those passages, my brain is constantly going, fuck, 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 fuck. Even yeah. knowing what happens, it's just still terrifying and horrifying. I've got it open. I can um, do a couple passages about the cat. So I'll, uh, I'll do um, a little bit of the one where... Uh, she tries to get Rand to kill men. Okay, cool. I'll and then we'll jump from there to Catswain. If that okay, works cool. for you. Um, so basically, like, um, Simrock shows some understanding of how male channeling works. Because uh, she makes comments like, uh, That's smart. Um, now if I can remember, the male way of doing this is so odd sometimes. And Rand made the weaves, then pushed them towards men. No, he screamed as he did, so not that. Um, and, ah, so you see, Simrog said, you weren't so difficult to break after all. Um, the weaves touched men, and she writhed in pain. Rand continued to channel, tears springing in his eyes, as he was forced to send the complex weaves through her body. They brought agony only, but they did it very well. Simrog must have released men's gag, for she began to scream, weeping. Um, moves further on, and Rand, uh, talking about Rand, he bowed his head. There had to be a way out, uh, blah, blah. He saw the blood, death, and destruction he would cause, and it chilled him, turning him to ice inside. And he thinks they have won. Simrog glanced at the door, then turned back to him and smiled. But I'm afraid we must deal with her first. Let us be about it then. Rand turned and began to walk towards men. No, he said. You promised if I begged. I promised nothing, Simrock said with a laugh. You begged quite prettily, Luz Theron, but I have chosen to ignore your pleas. You can release Sidine. However, this needs to be somewhat not more personal. And then Sidine winked away. Um, and I believe this is where she uses uh, the Domination Band to have him start physically strangling men. Mm-hmm. And he's pleading for a way out. Um, and Luz Theron, yeah. meanwhile, and his head is also screaming, Elena, yeah. oh, light, I've killed her. So yeah. just, it's um, horrifying. And then it's... Uh, yeah, again, I've killed her. I'm mad, Elena. Yeah. Let's see. Energy and life surge through him. A torrent of power like Sidene, only ten times as sweet and a hundred times as violent, made him alive, made him realize that he had never been alive before. Screamed in both rapture and rage, and wove enormous spears of fire and air, slammed the weaves against the collar's neck, and the room exploded with flames and bits of molten metal, each one distinct to Rand. 
Simrog looked utterly shocked. But that's impossible, she said. I felt nothing. You can't. She looked up, staring at him with wide eyes. The true power. Why have you betrayed me, great lord? Why? Um, and then after that is uh, when Rand's like, fucking pimp smack, fuck you, you're captured now. How dare you make me do this? But still, for some reason, like, I don't know if it's in... Given Rand's overall tendency to pardon uh, the female characters for their atrocities in the books, we know it's a, there's definitely a, a bias, and it's that uh, kind of stereotypical Southern slash country bumpkin mm-hmm. from the books. Um, deference uh, and, and preference away from violence towards the, uh, as Rand would put it, the fairer sex. Um but I'm sorry. I don't care who you are. If you somehow could control me and almost made me kill the per- like one of the people I oh, love. Fuck yeah. And then like I turn around and I'm in control and it's like, what should we do with this horrendous criminal from that's been, you know, around for 3000 years? I'm not going to be like, yeah, no, we shouldn't kill them. I'm going to be like, God, nah, fucking too da- like no. Count Duke with them right now. They're too dangerous to be kept alive. Does it like and especially I guess Lou's there and hasn't really given him a lot That's of common me. sense yet. But no, I totally agree. So you know yeah. he's not like- Bodie he's not Bodie Rand at this point yet. So he's not I feel like Bodie Soffer Rand would have either like just taken away her ability or actually I could see Bodie Soffer Rand doing to Simrog what Lanfear did to Asmodian. So that Simrock could still be used, but she'd be so limited in her ability to channel, she wouldn't be really a danger. But Rand is just so enraged at this point because he does not want to kill men that he just like rages out and like, well, it's basically like a roid rage and like grabs the true power from wherever the fuck and just explodes with the most devastating weave that he can do. It's definitely a Palpatine moment where like, Shaitan's like, yes, let your hate flow through you. And like Shaitan's like, he's not worried. Like, he's like, do I I could potentially gain the dragon reborn and all I lose is Simarog? Mm-hmm. I can intercept and bring her back if I want to. Like not if she's failed. She but yeah, but you don't really know that Rand's gonna straight up like bailfire the bitch. Yeah. I don't think Shaitan necessarily like figured that he would bailfire. Well, but he should have at this point because Rand's like go to his bailfire at this point. Like it has been. Well, again, this I is still it, a conversation this... for another day. I don't know that Rand is that the Dark One has deliberately given Rand the ability to channel um the true source. I think Rand, like it's technically there, it's technically available, and because he's the dragon reborn. And ultimately super powerful. Like he can, and especially like the connection with Morden that he has. Like there's a whole bunch of weird metaphysics there. Uh, yeah, that's a- just chilling, watching something else going on. He just hears like a notice, like a new device has joined your network. He's like, the <laughs> <"Duh>, fuck? <laughs> it's like tonight, <laughs> but after it's been used. Rand is a rogue You're not allowed point. to use my streaming services. <laughs> yeah. Um, but no, that would be a a good topic for another for another episode. You have a tendency to do that, like bring like bring out or point out things that would be good topics for other episodes. I'm gonna take that as a complete and utter compliment. Oh, it is. It's almost like you have a lot of fantastic opinions and thoughts about the Will of Time, and also talk about the Will of Time a lot. Read it a couple times and obsess over it or whatever. 
But um, one of the more fun scenes uh, where I, I feel like a lot of people love or enjoy the scenes where Samarag is being humiliated by Catswain because it's like a bit of like, you, you like not just kind of deserve this, like you completely deserve it. And Catswain's not even doing anything horrible to her. It's mm. just humiliating. Well, and for Samarag, because Samarag's entire thing is the fear. So she is so used to people just being like, I'm going to look at you and you are going to release me because you know I am horrifying and I have a bazillion ways to murder you in the worst ways. At this point, Simrock's almost like, you know, addressing other people. She's like, do you not realize that I am a, a walking deity? Yeah, and Cadswain even, and that's Cadswain's and Saralia's conversation is... And it's a couple, it's a couple, it's not the chapter that I have open, but that's the, their entire conversation is mm -hmm. like, just, she, she has this hold over people and people do defer to her regardless of her state as a prisoner. Um, mm -hmm. And she is, you know, she's just, they can't do anything because she has done so much worse to other people. She also knows every single method of torture and what it exacts. And I think she's actually probably fascinated. It'd be like, oh yeah, please try to do this to me. I'd love to see how it feels on the other side, you little weak Aes Sedai. She's so contemptuous of the third age Aes Sedai. Um, doesn't even want to call them Aes Sedai. I think there's a point where like she's almost being like pseudo tortured and she's like, well, not only will you not go as far as you need to to do this with me, but here's a 375 point list of how even the little bit you're doing could be done better without breaking your oh, own yeah, rules. Sure. And Kathleen's just like, I'm getting nowhere. And I will note that um, they are specifically limited because Rand has for forbidden them to do mm. any sort of actual torture. So basically it's just constant questioning. Um, the wise ones and the Aes Sedai at this point are extremely frustrated. That I think Catswain's like main go-to is like sleep deprivation. We're like, we're just not going to let you sleep. Yeah. They're doing the um, light and sound. Uh, so they're just like, flashbang your every time she light, starts yeah. like daz dozing off. Yeah. Which is horrible, but compared to the stuff she's done, it's like, eh, well, and she can probably put herself in a meditative trance. So, um, you know, she's probably participated in this long enough, uh, these types of things long enough that she's just like, mm -hmm. yeah, this sucks, whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it does get to the point, uh, Soralea and her have that conversation about um, people are treating her like a god and trying to muse over how to break her they don't come to a conclusion and so he's like you're oddly human and Simrog just looks at him like the fuck did you just say well and so Catswain is sitting outside the cell and letting um serene do the interrogation not torture interrogation uh a maid has brought in the food which Simrog who has free use of her hands apparently mm. uh just knocks over and it's like I will not eat this swill. <laughs> and um, you know who I am. So Serene continued. This next question it will determine. And they send the maid to go get more food. 
And this is where it picks up. Um, Serene continued, this next question, it will determine if you actually get to eat that meal or not. Despite the firm voice, Cad Swain could hear a quickness to Serene's words. The sudden drop of the tray of food had startled her. They were all so jumpy around the forsaken. They weren't deferential, but they did treat Semarag with a measure of respect. How could they not? She was a legend. One did not enter the presence of such a creature, one of the most evil beings ever to live, and not feel at least a measure of awe. A measure of awe. That's our mistake, Catswain whispered. She blinked, then turned and opened the door. And then, um, going down, um, Samarag's head was not bound. Her eyes flicked towards Cadswain. Cadswain had committed herself. She had to confront the woman now. Fortunately, what she planned didn't require much delicacy. It all came back to a single question. How would Cadswain break herself? The solution was easy now that it occurred to her. Ah, Cadswain said with a no-nonsense attitude. I see that the child has refused her meal. Serene, release your weaves. Uh, Semarag raised her eyebrows and opened her mouth to scoff. But as Serene released her weaves of air, Cadswain grabbed Semarag by the hair <laughs> with a casual sweep of her foot, knocked the woman's legs out from beneath her, dropped her to the floor. Uh, then Caswain basically bent her over, uh, forced her to eat the food off the floor, like shoved her face in it, forced her to eat the food. When she refused, started spanking her with her bare hand. And <laughs> that's when, um, Semarag kind of just gives up. And spluttering like and she's not even asking her anything. She just like is forcing her to eat the food off the ground. And she's like, you will eat the food off the ground. Um, and then she Cadswain like is done, says as she's walking out, looks at Serene, says, She is a person. Cadswain said, looking at the others, just a person, like any of us. She has secrets. But any young boy can have a secret that he refuses to tell. Remember that. Cadswain stood and walked to the door. She hesitated beside Serene, who watched with fascination as the Forsaken ate beans off the floor. You may want to begin carrying a hairbrush with you, Cadswain added. That can be quite hard on your hands. Serene smiled. Yes, Cadswain, said I. Now, Cadswain thought, leaving the room. What to do with Althor? So, and totally makes sense. Like, you can't torture her. <laughs> you can't torture Samarag. So how do you break her? You just humiliate her. Everybody's got a breaking, something to break. It helps also if I click the button when I go to, like, add to the conversation and <laughs> unmute myself. I'm like so bad about that now. Like I'll do it so I like because my chair squeaks whenever I move too much. Mm. Um, because it's like getting time to replace this one too. Because I don't spend a lot on chairs, even though I spend a lot of time in this chair. Anyway, um, <laughs> it adds a lot of validity to like uh the whole Avienda training to be a wise one scene. 
Because it's mm-hmm. like, how much humiliation will you tolerate before you stand up and say enough is enough? Um, I mean, there there is a bit of, for sure, that ick of Robert Jordan's writing doing a heavy lean towards what's effective against the men? Oh, brute force and putting a woman in danger. Mm. What's effective towards the women? Uh, public humiliation. Mm-hmm. Well, what else? No, 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 that, that's it. Public humiliation. That's it. That's all we're going to do. We're going to, you know, strip you naked in the streets or we're going to spank you or we're going to also spank you. Or we're going to also spank you or also spank you. Uh, that kind of stuff. Um, so see, as much as I like the books and and, uh, and I love how Robert Jordan wrote it, I, I admit shit. All right. There, there are down. some. Not not you, but other people. Oh. Up there. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah. I wish to be yeah. fair. I'm not gonna lie. Growing up in the South, spanking was like a horrific thing because uh, in the South, being like having to go and pick your own switch. Oh my God! Yes, that's and then the, uh, uh, I, I remember back. the first time mm-hmm. I, had, I had a grandparent. They told me to go and get a switch, and I was like, mm-hmm. "Cool, I'll be smart and get this like really super tiny, flimsy one." Um, which they know how to deal with that too, because she pulled all the leaves off of it except for the three at the end. Which apparently turned that thing into like a supersonic whip. Yep. And uh, it, she only got like two or three hits in before it actually snapped. Um, and then was like, "Okay, now go and actually bring me a switch, not a twig," mm-hmm. uh, which was a mistake only made once. Um, not saying it was right, saying it's what happened. Saying my grandmother did the same. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, like um, you want me to do what? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's it's like. Um, a much milder version of the punishment of like, oh, now dig your own grave because you're about to die. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. Oh, go get your own switch. Um, so it is effective. However, um, you know, you could have had everybody else spanked. Like I think old Al Thor would have done well for a spanking several times. Like, but you know, everybody has their own kind of uh, BD- BDSM light fetishes. Not saying that's where it came from or it didn't, but who knows, RJ? Who knows? War changes a man. <laughs> um, or you could just like those things. <laughs> so I mean, yeah, that's true. That's true. Um, but it's it's such a good thing because like the whole reason, uh, and there's a lot of this like uh, kind of like fulfilling or dealing with the reason that the Forsaken turned to the Shadow in the first place, into what ultimately leads to their undoing. Um, Simrog's big reason to turn against the Hall of Servants wasn't just because they were going to punish her, but because she was like, really? Like, you care what happens to these filthy commoners, these lesser people, these lesser beings uh, than I? And she put herself on this, you know, demigod-like pedestal, um, probably in part due to like the actual talent she had and it went to her head in the wrong way, the absolute mm-hmm. worst of ways. And her ultimate un well not ultimate undoing, but the biggest component to her undoing is not being like out tortured, not being outclassed. It's literally just being treated like the quote unquote commoner she hates so much. Mm-hmm. And being enraged because of it. Like she yeah. I feel like what Cat Swain does to her causes her to lose control of the situation with Rand. Mm-hmm. And 
forcing Rand to kill men right in front of him it was something that she probably would have done more deliberately and more slowly if she didn't feel like she's like, fuck, I just need to prove myself now. I need to get back. I need to get back to good old Simi. Uh, <laughs> so. Good old Simi, huh? I've, yeah, I've been good there old a couple Simi. times. Having a couple Simmies. Um, <laughs> completely unrelated note, uh, Sierra Nevada, who normally makes really good drinks, uh, the Hazy Little Thing IPA. I don't know if this one just got skunked because of bad delivery drivers that let it warm up or something like that. Uh, I haven't had one of these in a while, but I, I, my, I can't drink anymore of this thing. Oh, no. It is. It is. It like literally like if you've ever did you play like sports or whatever in like high school or anything like that where you had to carry around gym bags mm-hmm. and like especially like if you had parts of, of like your gear that didn't get washed as frequently and it just got that musty almost earthy mixed with musk kind of like weird smell and you could almost taste it on the back of your tongue i had boyfriends with gear like that i always See, there you go. It, but that's, you want to relive that hazy little things ipa at least this can i'm not going to say that's all of them but yeah I, like it's it's a it takes a lot for me to just say i'm not going to finish a beer and prior to this one i've only ever done it with the uh the big dragon milk uh, beers that you can get at like most like grocery stores it's not good okay it's not good not at all don't ever buy it never um so that's finally one i'm gonna go back to my voodoo ranger but <laughs> yeah. well father says you only have so many liver tokens you can't enjoy it dump it yeah yep that is a, that is a fair point uh, and that's where I'm at. Like I, I, I fought through the vast majority. Like I drank over half of it, and it's just every every sip is, is pain. Maybe I'm just trying to build up a tolerance to Simarog's techniques. <sighs> yeah, in a very lame way. She would do. She would very potentially have you drink like mm-hmm. pseudo skunky beer, if not yeah. skunky beer. Just see how many. Oh, you, would drink. you like beer? Oh, what a shame! Skunks your beer, you monster. <laughs> I just I'd be sitting there like um like Cabriana, like please no light no don't smoke my beer. Like give me the pleasure shit, please. Like make me drink so much good beer that I fall in love with you, please. <laughs> yeah, make me nut until I die. Like don't skunk the beer. Uh, so unfortunately, she's not on the page a lot. Um, you do see her doing a lot of collaboration with. Uh, Damadred and Masana, but it, it, she's just so behind the scenes on it, but her fingers are in so many, especially with the Sean Chan, her fingers are in so many things that they're doing. Um, she sees the Sean Chan as an effective tool of sowing the chaos, um, uh, and it happens, it's like it's good. She she nails it, and if she it's only because Cad Swain had her um, paralysis net that she was caught. That's the only mm. reason. Uh, and Cad Swain also broke her. So again, I feel like if mm. Cad Swain had not been in the picture, uh, A, she wouldn't have gotten caught. B, she wouldn't have been broken. And because she, if she had not been broken, she wouldn't have gone quite as far with Rand and Rand wouldn't have quite reached gotten to the point where he emotionally 
was torn down to the core and just reached for any source that was out there. And that was the true source. So she wouldn't have died. And it's Atsuane was her accidental down, accidental, mm -hmm. accidental downfall. Yeah. No, absolutely. Um, but no, like, uh, it's, yeah. When you, when you think of the Forsaken, you think of like, who really didn't do shit and who like actually really contributed a lot and was like the loss of Simarog. And I'm going to say like that, that definitely started at the point where she was captured after being busted as, um, uh, whatever mask of mirror style thing she did to look like. Mm -hmm. If she even, if she even did that, I don't even think she, like she had to change her appearance to look like Tuan. Like, cause they, nobody, they didn't it, know. What it, was, she, like. it was, she had to make herself shorter. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, she was six one. That's, that's true. Yeah. But just um, imagine if she hadn't been captured and she had stayed with the Sean Chan, hmm. everything that she could have done, like even including, like, even in spite of Matt marrying Tuan and having the tavern effect on Tuan, if she had been able, like if she hadn't gone to that meeting with Rand, if she had been able to stay. She would have been able to sow so much discord within the ranks of the Sean Chan mm -hmm. that it would have taken them out of the last battle completely. It, mm -hmm. it or maybe they would have participated, but it would have been they would have been ineffectual. They wouldn't have been able to do all the things that they did, including coming back and essentially saving the day at um mm -hmm. The fields of Marilor. Yeah, she was six one. Yes, well, she, technically six one and a half. Six one and when it a comes half. to Simrog, you don't forget that half inch. <laughs> it's like the the seven eight year old being like, I'm I'm a half inch. I'm six and a half, and I'm <laughs> yeah. How many ever half inches? Yeah, um, yeah six foot one and a half. But uh, in possibly the best way to say that somebody had a nice. Uh, accoutrement of womanly features mm -hmm. uh, that she was proportioned in such a way that standing alone, she did not look out of place um, because of her height. It was only when she stood next to other people. So, which goes to tell you, like I've always said, uh, you can have big this, big that, be well endowed here or there, but proportions yes. is where the true the true success shines. Mm -hmm. um, not to say you should feel bad if you have like anything that's disproportionate. I definitely have. I, I am disproportionate. <laughs> um, like I have an absolute massive PP for how uh, how fat I am. I don't know. It's definitely not true. But anyway, <laughs> um, there was a hole that I was talking myself onto that I managed to not dig myself out of. Um, <laughs> We're learning a lot about each other tonight. <laughs> Yeah, that's what's happening. Just yeah. and I like I like how wines here. Like half inch makes a lot of difference. It does. Uh, and then uh, Wolfie I likes Amazonia. Another types. reason I love her is that she's so tall. Um, because I'm mm. I'm taller than the average. I'm technically taller than the average man in the U.S. Um, mm. but uh, my the job that I had a couple years ago, um, I was walking into a meeting and but uh, like. He was like my boss's boss's boss. He worked on our floor. So we, you know, we'd gone out for drinks before and everything. Mm -hmm. I love my heels. Anybody who's met me in person knows I love my heels. And so I was wearing some uh, really big, big girl heels. Like 
really, really, really big. And this dude is like six foot four, six foot five. And we're just waiting in line to go to this meeting, like get into this meeting. And we're talking about work. And he just looks at me and he goes, I love it when a woman can look me in the eye. And I was just like, Denny, you can't say that to people. But also I know, right? <laughs> I loved it. <laughs> Meanwhile, here I am at like six foot two. The girlfriend's like five foot flat. <laughs> um, I mean, it works. It works. Anyway, um, fun size. It does. Yeah, so she's two on short. size fun and size. I'm Simrog size. So. Yeah. <laughs> so. All right. Um, well, we're uh, so much. <laughs> no, you're fine. Uh, so as we're nearing uh, the the two hour mark for this, which I did not think we could talk that I could talk about Simrog for two hours, um, which makes it all the better that you were uh, both kind enough to join me for this episode, uh, so that the Black Tower can actually get one out this week. Because uh, the only other day other than this was going to be Friday, and uh, that wasn't going to work out. Uh, um so uh massive massive appreciation to you for for uh, jumping on this proverbial grenade and joining us to talk about uh simrog the queen of torture uh and green flags that quickly turn into red flags um but uh any any final thoughts on on simrog before we before we round this out uh no think i've wrapped it up um multiple times or said everything that i wanted to say i haven't wrapped it up but yeah just she's this is my argument why matt hatch is wrong and <laughs> simrog is actually the best person I, I can appreciate that that's his favorite and he incorrectly translate his favorite forsaken to being the best forsaken simrog is actually the best forsaken so um that's uh, my closing line. Simrog is all of the warnings you get about goth mommy, but this time they're actually true. <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it's like your 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 southern traditional like Christian mom warning you about those devil devil goth girls. Uh, and normally it's a gross exaggeration for Simrog. They're all black. Just just watch out for them. My dad was so concerned because I loved black so much as a couple. Like, I just had a lot yeah. of black clothes. It wasn't because I was goth or anything. But he's like, yeah. uh, can you, like, wear colors? <laughs> no, I, I wore a lot of black, too, especially, like, in uh, middle school to high school. It's Mainly because color. it was, like, I don't. I'm not, I have no real fashion mindset necessarily. Like sometimes I, I'll have like a little bit of an idea, but normally not. And so I just wear black because like it goes with everything. Um, like there, there's nothing you can wear that black doesn't go with, which is fantastic. Which is why I, I still have so many like dark colored like shirts and that kind of stuff. Same. Yeah. Same. Um, I think the lightest color like work shirt I have is like still a, it's like a medium blue. It's it's relatively light. I do have a light gray shirt if that counts, but that's closer to black than it is Look at you, colorful. In your wings in the color yeah. spectrum. I do have a red polo shirt that I wear every Friday because you know Red Friday. Remember everyone deployed uh, kind mm. of thing. Nice. Um, I so, think me yeah. with wines and uh, Wolf Brother both have good closing comments as well. Oh yeah, no, that's I absolutely agree. Uh, I think with both, as Wine says. 
Simi is fucking scary, which is absolutely true. Um, and then Wolf Brother says, Simi pushes us to our extremes, um, which is probably the first time anybody has said anything about Simi and pushing to extremes in the same sentence. <laughs> um, unless you're talking about like semi-truck. But um, one of the things I keep finding as we do these background breakdowns, especially on the Forsaken and looking more into like their history, because reading through 14 books and piecemealing bits together here and there is kind of hard. Yeah. But looking at it all together and you're just like, you know, it, it's like um, if you look at the history of the White Cloaks, the historical White Cloaks, they're actually pretty fucking scary. Like, mm-hmm. they're pretty bad. Like, they do some pretty, uh, for lack of a better phrase, morbid metal shit. Like, digging up the corpse of an Omerlin to hang her in a city to make it seem like they're the ones that killed her. That well, level morbid metal KKK, shit. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, but then you see a lot with the Forsaken, because, again, they're seeing very short bits about them, other than someone like, uh, Morden and Lanfear and uh, sometimes uh, Mogidian, that kind of stuff. They seem a lot like they kind of bumble around and don't get a lot of stuff done. But when you get all this historical information, like Simarog, where it's if it wasn't for her, the Black Tower would have been probably kind of fine. Uh, but no, oh, she yeah. just had to figure out how to force people to follow the shadow. Well, and not just like, the Black Tower, um, that town up in the Blights that all the um, Aiel channeler, the male Aiel channelers. Oh, yeah. The, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, the ones that are, the, uh, what, file their teeth the and sharp, all that. Well, the sharp teeth one, yeah, are the ones that got turned. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. With the red veil. They also, like, they veil normally all the time, but then they drop the veil. Uh, whenever they're actually fighting, which uh, thank you again to Hellcat because that now gives me a visual idea because she portrayed uh, a dark Aiel um, mm-hmm. when we did the the cosplay stuff at Gathering Madness this year. Um, so yeah, but anyway, uh, for all this, uh, Leia, it has been absolutely fantastic. It's always fantastic getting to sit down and chat with you um, about whatever, but especially all the time. Um, so go ahead and tell everyone again where they can find you, what's coming up for uh, threefold talk and all that kind of fun stuff real quick. And then, of course, uh, there'll be links in the description below where y'all can go and uh, check out everything that Leia is doing with that. All right. Absolutely. Um, Roof Mistress Leia. It's <laughs> uh, what I'm normally known as. I am on a show called Threefold Talk. It's hosted on the Malkier Talks YouTube channel. We have our shows most every thursday uh night at 9 p.m eastern so if you check out uh the malkier talks youtube channel you'll find that i'm in discord and twitter as uh roof mistress also instagram also coming up is what a holiday hosted by rob from malkier talks as well as our my lovely host andrew um, and that will be an all day, 24 hour charity event. You'll find a multiple, uh, of your favorite podcasters, including the three full talks and the black tower gentlemen, uh, there, uh, we're raising money for the light weaver foundation, as well as benefiting. And we still haven't figured out the name of the charity, but it's essentially going to, um, the, actors uh, out of uh, the uh, actors and other um, entertainment industry folks um, 
due to the impacts of the SAG-AFTA strikes, so uh, which is still an ongoing problem. Uh, The strikes aren't the ongoing problem. They're not back to work yet, uh, so they still need help. But yeah, I think that's my elevator pitch. (laughs) You're talking on mute again. (laughs) Yep, no, I definitely am. Uh, see, that's how I, I guarantee that I don't interrupt somebody. I was like, oh, there's SAG CEM. And then I'm like, actually, now that's the public trading uh, name for a company. So I think it is still CEM. Rob's got it posted somewhere. We'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah. Uh, da, 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 da. It's ECF. Sorry. The Entertainment Community Fund. Mm. Originally known as the Actors Fund. So it's the ECF. There we go. Mm-hmm. Um, not just the actors yeah um, so again thank you so much uh, this was like literally a couple hours before recording call to like hey does any can anybody slash does anybody want to join uh, for this um, and uh, for all of you listening this week's episode that you're listening to would have been recorded at a different time if it made, made it to recording at all and we didn't just cop out with the holidays made entirely possible by roof mistress leia so if for no other reason than that and there's like a bajillion other reasons to go uh and tune into threefold talk go tune into threefold talk uh subscribe to the malcure talks youtube channel and never let them forget that the black tower podcast sent you over there like every episode <laughs> like black tower podcast sent me over here go for it uh it's definitely not like comments during live streams and everything else help immensely with community engagement uh stuff but um we hope that you all have had a, an enjoyable holiday a start to the holiday season uh whatever it is you celebrate um we hope that it's been fun and enjoyable and you've got to spend time with the people that you want to or that you've had that much needed time alone at home uh maybe trying to figure out if you're left-hand coordinated enough to feel like a stranger if you lose your <laughs> <own name>. um <laughs> or not whatever floats your boat um, and as we move further into the holiday season, uh, be safe, be cognizant of what's going on in the world around you because it's fucking crazy. Um, and, uh, you know, tell the people you love that you love them. Uh, but at the same time, the people you don't like, don't be afraid to tell them why they're wrong. I mean, you know, it's tis the season to be honest. For sure. uh, <laughs> so, <laughs> there's going to be a slew of people now. They're just like, you're an asshole. I'm like, oh, that's fine. Yeah, Throw <laughs> in the comments below. Like, Andrew, you're an asshole. Uh, I, I I thrive on that kind of stuff. Go for it. Um, again, if you want to be able to listen to our episodes live as we record them and uh, be able to see any of the parts that maybe we cut out or uh, interact with us live as we're recording, uh, Have go your ahead and head over. Put on screen. Yeah, yeah, that happens. Um, Whenever I remember to look at the stuff, because I, I oh, I'm so mad because like my main screen is like a 32 inch screen, so like the big white background of Streamyard because they don't incorporate a dark mode. Hey, Streamyard, dark mode, um, that'd be great. Uh, put so much extra light to where I will full screen this so that it's not so bad. So like you can always tell when I'm looking at stuff or doing stuff because I'll unfull screen and I'll just have so much more white light. Oh, mm. yeah. Um. 
I but never I knew that before. Uh, like you should never have noticed. You should have uh, never said that. I I pay so much attention to like weird stuff with the webcam. Like I had one thing like with auto white balance for the webcam where I would like do like this and it would like darken everything, then brighten everything, then darken. Crazy. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, uh, Black Tower, uh, BlackTowerPod.com for all of our stuff, including uh, merch and Patreon. So you can come over and hang out in the Discord uh because now we're we're being starting to be pretty consistent with doing an after episode chat over in the discord for all uh, two people that can manage to tolerate our voices for longer than the recording last week you guys had a pretty good group i couldn't join but um you guys had several people hanging out afterwards yeah Yeah, we had we had uh quite a few people so if you want to join that uh head on over to patreon link your patreon to your discord and then it will automatically give you the roles in our discord and if that doesn't happen um, there's a, a link to join our Discord on the website as well. Click that. Another spot where you can open a ticket and be like, hey, I'm a patron. Here's my email or whatever. Only we'll see it. And we can give you the rules. Um, but I'm going to stop rambling. Uh, I'm going to laugh at Josh as he probably decides to review this entire episode for potential edits before he posts it out. And I uh, hope he hears this point. Because, yes, Josh, I am laughing at you. Going to the Trans-Siberian Orchestra tonight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how dare you? It's not even December. And you're going I know, to see the trans right? It's Orchestra. not even Thanksgiving yet uh, yeah. when we're recording. Yeah, not even. Whatever. Um, but I also don't feel bad because I've, I've definitely had to do that plenty of times when I wasn't here for recording. <laughs> um, but from all of us here at the Black Tower Podcast, again, with Mr. Slater, thank you so much for coming out. Thank you so much for doing this incredible uh, cosplay. Course perfect um and we will see all of you lovely folks uh the next time we record next week or whenever you see us again uh also just in case you've noticed and you're wondering we are working on updating our intro and the outro to update all the names of the patrons so uh yeah if your name should be on there and it's not sorry but we know you're there and we love you all the same uh if your name is there and it shouldn't be andrew you're Finish. welcome Young man, finish. I'm not sure how to feel about that. (laughs) But I know what button I'm going to click. Thanks, everybody. And we'll see you again next week. Goodbye.